first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida. And today, we'll be reviewing Notorious Nick and interviewing Emmy-winning cinematographer John Simmons about his career. Director Christopher McDonald from Queen of the Beach and actors Marseille Martin and Ian Armitage from Paw Patrol, the movie. But first, we'll be reviewing Notorious Nick with Heather. Hi, Heather. How are you doing? Hey, Ethan. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. So let's get started. What is this film about? So it's about this disabled MMA fighter called Notorious Nick. Uh, it's based on a true story of Nick Newell. And Cody Christian stars in the movie. He's absolutely incredible. He, it's a story about how Nick goes from just like being a wrestler and not being very good. And then he got, he gets this coach and he learns how to fight in MMA. And he ends up winning a bunch of titles and he becomes what they call Notorious Nick. So you said he's, um, this is based off a true thing, right? Yes. So do you think the actor did well portraying um, Nick? Yes, yes, I do. Um, the way that the film sort of goes into story is very positively. They don't make the, the disability so negative. I mean, Nick is like never torn down. He's He always gets right back up. And then at the end credits, we see, we get to actually meet the real Nick Newell and his coach and he's talking about his journey it's just like a like a two three minute kind of video and it's really cute because you get to see how Cody and his mentality and the way that the character is written is very positive and he's very just a get back up kind of guy and he never gets torn down and then we can really see how the movie really does justice to Nick yeah, and that's one of my favorite part about movies, how at the end they showed the characters, like the real characters, because there's some movies, Um, I remember this one about a football team, and they showed the, the football people, but like in real life, and I was like, oh my god, that's so amazing. So I think that's really interesting that they did this with, uh, with this film. That's so, so cool. <laughs> so do you think the costumes and acting match the time and place of this film? Yes. So it's actually very recent. It was actually in 2012. So we have a lot of modern wardrobe and modern sets. We have like the cage fighting, the MMA kind of kind of style. So you have like the boxers and the gloves. And then then you have like from a couple of years ago, from 15, 20 years ago, the outfits that they would use in school for wrestling that, that they would do. So you can kind of see like how wardrobe has changed over time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like there's a lot and you're enjoying it. So may I know your favorite part? Uh, um, there, there's a lot that, that I like. I like when Nick starts training with his coach. It's just really funny because they have no idea what they're doing. His coach was his high school wrestling coach. So he has no idea about MMA, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say Cody, Nick, just really wants to get in the ring and do justice for his friend who passed away, who had scored this role, who had scored this spot to fight in an MMA fight. So he ended up getting the part 
And so he starts training with his coach and it's just really funny. And it's just like a cool montage of how they have no idea what is going on, but <laughs> they're still finding a way and they manage to win the, the, the fight. So it's really cool. So I'm guessing from all I'm hearing that there's a lot of morals. So could you give me at least one? <laughs> to never give up and always see the good side in everything. Nick was... You know, he things weren't easy for him because he was, you know, missing partial of his arm. And so things were really difficult. And then imagine wanting to be an MMA fighter, but he never, ever, ever gives up. He keeps on going. He trains. And like I said, he didn't know anything about MMA, but he went in because he knew that's what he had to do. And he ends up becoming notorious. And he always loves himself and spreads positivity wherever he goes. Okay, well, uh, I'm sorry we're out of time. Can I just get your star rating and age recommendation? I give it five out of five stars, and I recommend it for ages 14 to 18 plus adults. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Oh, no problem, Ethan. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Notorious Nick, Queen of the Beach, Paw Patrol the movie, and the career of an Emmy-winning cinematographer, John Simmons. And right now we're switching over to review Paw Patrol the movie with Tiana. Hi, Tiana. How are you doing? I'm doing fine in yourself. I'm good. So what is this movie about? Yeah, so Paw Patrol the movie is about the Paw Patrol. Um, so they head to Adventure City to save their citizens from Mayor Hundiger's dangerous plans. And he's played by Ron Pardo. Um, and what he calls adding the adventure back to Adventure City, which I will be honest, it is definitely not adventure. Uh, so during their trip to Adventure City, the team kind of goes on a very on a series of high risk adventures um, that becomes one of their biggest challenges yet. I mean, if you you're someone who has seen uh, the adventures they go on in the series, I mean, this was definitely something totally different. Um, so they kind of learn what it means to be true heroes uh, and something really cool. Um, about the plot is we get to learn more about Chase, the police dog. Um, he's played by Ian Armitage in this film. Uh, we learn more about his backstory and how he met Ryder, and it really ties him well with the new storyline. So that's what it's about. <laughs> so um, as some people know, probably mostly Gen Zs, uh, Paw Patrol is a very good show. My favorite was Marshall. He was so clumsy. And I just wanted to know, this is a personal question, <laughs> is um, is Paw Patrol the same kind of how it was in the show? Like, are the actors the same? Uh, so, <clears throat> sorry. Fun fact about this, they actually have some of the same cast members, but uh, from what I know, a lot of them are different, and we have, like, new characters that you meet, but most of them are actually the same, like... Um, let me think. I believe Marshall's voice actor is still the same. I know, I know that one for sure, but I know there are like a few of the Paw Patrol members who are still, uh, who have the same voice actors. So it's really cool. Well, now knowing there's even more people, may I know who your favorite character is or anyone you relate to? Um, so my favorite character. Um, I mean, I loved all of them, but I would say my favorite character is Liberty. Liberty is a newer member uh, to the Paw Patrol franchise, and uh, she did have a pretty big role in this film. She was played by Marseille Martin, and I really love her because she's an adventurous and brave 
pup. Um, she's very smart and she's always willing to help. And I really love how she stands up for herself. And there's a scene where she roasts a mean pup that was disrespecting her. And that's another thing that I really love about her because um, she's always ready to, uh, in a sense, have like that sarcasm um, <laughs> to kind of check people in a sense. <laughs> So, um, I know a lot of the episodes in Paw Patrol, the shows, they all have really good messages in it. So, do you think they put a really good one in this movie? Yes, they definitely put a good one. And like I said, there was, like, more things that you kind of learn. Um, like I was mentioning, you learn more about Chase's backstory. Um, so, there was a lot more that they added to this film. Um, so, yeah, I think they really did have a great message. And do you know any of the messages? Yes, yeah, so the message of Paw Patrol, the movie, is that sometimes being a hero doesn't always mean being the strongest or the bravest. It's okay to rely on others to help you get the job done. And Chase is the specific character that learned this. So he learns this when he goes through different moments where he does not feel like a hero or worries that people will think he's a scared little pup and not a hero um, because he's nervous about not returning to Adventure City, which... I can't give away spoilers, so you will watch the movie to learn more about that. Um, so, you know, he eventually has to trust himself and his friends along the way. So, <laughs> so um, I also heard that you did an interview with some of the actors. Yes. Can I know your experience with them? Yeah, so my experience with them was really fun. Uh, I feel like we were able to relate a lot, like, when I was asking them about some of their favorite vehicles and gadgets because uh, that's a really cool thing they have a lot of new upgraded vehicles and gadgets um, it was a really funny interview too I found myself laughing a lot they are uh, I got to talk to Marseille Martin and Ian Armitage who play uh, Liberty who is the new character I mentioned and Chase and they were a really fun group of people it was really nice kind of to get getting to know them more behind the scenes than what I know from their characters. So yeah, I had a fun time. <laughs> tell me all of this wants to make me watch it. So uh, could you tell everybody where to watch this film? Yes. So you can watch Paw Patrol, the movie it unleashes in theaters and on Paramount plus August 20th, 2021. I am so excited to see this. Can I know your age recommendation and star rating? Yes, so I give Paw Patrol the movie five out of five stars and recommended for kids ages five to 18. And adults will like it too, which is a very surprising thing knowing, uh, as you mentioned, it's more of like a Gen Z show, but I feel like everybody yeah. can watch it. Okay, so thank you for taking the talk, uh, time to speak with me. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City, Fantastical Adventures. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. 
We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been reviewing Notorious Nick and Paw Patrol the movie, and next up, we'll be listening to Tiana's interview with actors Marseille Martin and Ian Armitage from Paw Patrol the movie. Hello everyone, I'm Tiana Sermons reporting for Kids First. Today I'm going to be speaking with Ian Armitage and Marseille Martin about the upcoming animation film, Paw Patrol the Movie. Ian is best known for his roles in Young Sheldon, Big Little Lies, and Scoob. Marseille is known for producing and starring in her hit film, Little, and for her roles in Spirit Untamed and Blockish. I'm super excited to be speaking with them both today. Ian and Marseille, how are you? We're good. Very good about you. I'm doing great. I got a chance to see the movie myself, and I loved it. You both did an amazing job getting a chance to bring your characters to life. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Marseille, congratulations on joining the Paw Patrol franchise. Thank you. I mean, it's so exciting, honestly. it's I wouldn't want to be a part of anything else. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, true. I'm sure that was an honor. Yes, it was. Yeah. So you play the role of Liberty, a new and adventurous pup that just wants to help everyone out. What makes Liberty a good fit to the Paw Patrol team? Ooh, I would say what makes her a good fit is how confident she is in herself and how determined she is to get things right and helping people in her community. And not only that, making sure they they help in the community as well. Like, picking up uh, stuff off the trash and making sure everyone is safe. Like she does all of that. And she's kind of like the full package that the Paw Patrol brings. Right. And that's definitely something great to love about her. Oh, mm. well, Ian, you play the role of Chase, the police dog in this film. And even though he is an original Paw Patrol member in this movie, we get a chance to see him in a new light and learn more about his backstory. What was it like being able to voice Chase and really getting to know him, connect with him, and in a sense, walk in his paws? 
Well, um, well, it was very fun. I really have enjoyed um my whole my all my time with doing this show. Um, it was a great challenge. Um, but also in a way, it was kind of easy in a sense because I feel like it's so easy to connect with him and um easy to feel like wow you know what he must be going through which kind of helps my acting and being able to bring that to life um and uh you know just one thing that's kind of cool about animation you have to convey everything through your voice instead of through movement which is interesting and i i I really like doing that but uh it's i'm not used to it at all so it's kind of funny um but yeah, I've had so much fun doing it, and he's such a great character. And I'm so happy. I cannot wait for people to see this movie and to kind of see a bit more about him. Yeah, and like I mentioned, I got a chance to see it. It was truly amazing. Um, so yeah, I think that will really be something great for people to get a chance to see, especially if you're a fan of the Paw Patrol series. For sure. <laughs> Well, the vehicles that the pups drive in this film are incredible. Marseille, which of the Paw Patrol vehicles would you most want to ride around in if you could? Probably any of them, because they're better than any car that I've seen in 2021. Like, I mean, it is fully action-packed. So, ooh, I would probably say I love flying. Or like like I've flown before. I love the idea of flying being like a super superpower. So I love that Sky does that. So I think that would be one of the coolest gadgets that I'd have. And even her car too. It's so cute and feminine, and that's what I'm into. I was just gonna say, um, I really love like underwater stuff. So I probably uh, do zoom a sub. And I was going to say, if I really did have to pick, I would agree because he also has like the boat. So it would be fun to just. Um, be able to sail around the water so yeah I definitely agree mm-hmm. oh my next question also for Ian uh, a cool thing to see from this film is all the new gadgets that the Paw Patrol has so if you could own any of the Paw Patrol's equipment what would it be and why oh that's hard oh gosh probably the treat dispenser but I mean <laughs> I just felt with M&Ms and sit in front of it all day like ah, eh, one more ah, eh, one more Eh, (laughs) Um, or probably sky's flying wings because that would be really awesome to just be like yeah i'm strapping this on and just boom (laughs) uh but yeah pretty anything i mean (laughs) yeah and i think it was really cool i mean they had a whole new tower um amazing new gadgets um another one that i really loved was the clothing machine that was a pretty cool gadget to see oh yeah you're listening to Kids vs. Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Notorious Nick, Queen of the Beach, Paw Patrol the movie, and the career of an Emmy-winning cinematographer, John Simmons. And right now we're continuing Tiana's interview with actors from Paw Patrol the movie. So Marseille, as I mentioned before, you are your character Liberty is a new member to the Paw Patrol team. So what things did you do to prepare yourself to play her? Um, honestly, I did uh, a few things every now and then. Honestly, I, I had to look at the script first, first and foremost. Obviously, um, you don't really get to feel someone's or a, a puppy's personality from just like out of the blue. So reading the script, script definitely gave me an idea of what Liberty would probably sound like. I mean, you could tell just by the script that 
her her energy is super energetic and big and bold and exciting so um that's that's really the only piece of uh information that i i kind of had and i just really ran with it and that's um something pretty cool that just from reading the script you were able to really get into it and uh portray your character so well so the paw patrol movie was produced during the pandemic which means that you had to do some things different than usual so marce how did that affect your participation in the film uh I mean, we we started at the studio and then when COVID came, I did like one or two sessions at the house. In my house, I was like right here and there's a table set up and just imagine like a mic and a booth. Honestly, it was like a booth cube. Like, so we just got, it was like a half cut cube or something. And I just put the mic in there so it could sound like I was in an actual studio. And I just zoomed with the, with the director and everybody else. And I was just like going for it. Um, so in the beginning, I was a little nervous of how it, it would be because obviously we were shut down. So I didn't know how anything was going to be executed. So, um, I mean, it was, it was actually pretty fun and exciting to, know that we could still keep moving forward um, during the circumstances that we had. So um, it was pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And then you can kind of do it more from the comfort of your home um, instead of like in a studio where you have all these eyes on you and like, okay, am I doing this right? And it's like a little a little more stressful in a sense. Yeah, for sure. The stressful part also with doing it at home He's like, you're your own engineer. You got to make sure everything is straight and make sure things are together. Like, you're not just the actress. You're doing some technical stuff as well. Right. So this was a very fun movie, and I'm sure you had a lot of fun recording it. Ian, do you have any behind-the-scenes or on-set highlights from recording as Chase? Well, uh, the funny thing is, it wasn't really, uh, like... Like, we weren't on a stage or anything. We were just in a tiny little recording booth um, just with, like, a microphone and us. Um, so it was, it was kind of funny because when we, when we were, quote-unquote, filming, I was, it was just me, and there was no other cast members or anything. But I had a lot of fun doing it, and, it, it, you know, it made me very happy. One funny thing was at the end of the script, they had just one whole page of efforts that we had to do. So like if your character's running, like heavy breathing, but since this is a show about dogs, they had one old page of barks. So I had like 15, like they had one that was a confused bark and one that was like effort bark. And I was like, what, arf, arf. I was very confused as to what that would be, which I guess helped with my confused bark, but. Yeah, that sounds like a hilarious moment. So as I mentioned earlier in the movie, we get to see Chase in a new light and learn more about him. And if you had a chance to give Chase any advice in the moments where he felt scared or felt like he didn't belong, what would you say? Well, I would probably say, remember that you have some awesome friends and they're always looking out for you. And um, I would say you know, I think I would say try to forgive Ryder because, you know, he, he was really just trying to do his best. And, uh, you know, 
I, I also think I would say turn to Liberty because she seems to have all the answers. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? Friends are cool and all. Riders okay. Your Paw Patrol teams, yeah, they're okay. But Liberty. <laughs> yeah, that's some pretty great, but also very funny advice. So each member of the Paw Patrol has their own unique talent and personalities, but they work amazingly as a team. Marseille, what would you say is the most inspiring thing that the Paw Patrol, about the Paw Patrol and the things that they do to help others? Ooh, um, I would say definitely the, the friendship that they have all together and how they both, or not, not both, but like how the whole group truly um, has a passion for saving people and making sure everyone is safe in their community is, I think it's the biggest um, inspiration and in helping people in need. Um, honestly, with that too, like you can have your own Paw Patrol gang, honestly. Um, you know, just find a few people that you trust, that you love and that are truly your friends and just go for what you love and um, follow your dreams. I definitely think that's a Liberty's thing as well too, is following her dreams and moving forward in the route. Yeah, and that's a really great and amazing lesson that people can take away from it and uh, learn uh, themselves about friendship and how great it is to have people to help you along the way. For my last question, and what makes this a family-friendly film? Well, I think the fact that, I mean, we are discussing some big things like mental health and, you know, being anxious or scared. Um, but also the great part about it is we're able to discuss these things in like a very uh, easy to understand light. And also for younger kids, one way that we do this is by being dogs, <laughs> which I think is just a great way of, uh, of bringing that all to families in a very easy to digest sort of uh, way. And also, you know, it's very funny throughout the movie and very sweet. And, but there are also some touching moments which I think is good. You want a good balance of laughing and also, you know, being like, wow, that's really sweet. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I cannot wait for this movie to drop and it is going to be so awesome. We're actually going to a small screening of it tonight. Um, so I, I can't wait. I'm really excited. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And I can, uh, me as well, cannot wait for the world to see it, which you guys can see it um, in theaters and on Paramount Plus starting August 20th, 2021. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City, Fantastical Adventures. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. 
For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Person from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Notorious Nick and Paw Patrol the movie, and next up, we'll be reviewing Queen of the Beach with Ishan. So what is this film or movie about? So Queen of the Beach is actually all about um, Christopher McDonnell. He's the he's a Canadian filmmaker, and it's his journey when he goes to India following a group of missionaries from his church to make a documentary. He actually goes for a short holiday before he leaves the country to Goa, which is known to be a, a beach destination in India. And he meets a, a child laborer who's the sole breadwinner in her family, and she works on the beach selling uh, you know, clothing, selling different items. Um, trinkets, things like that. Her name is Shilpa. And so the whole story is that um, in those few moments when he meets her first, um, Shilpa makes a massive impression on him. And he returns uh, several times over the uh, next few years, um, like seven times, it says. And he uh, uh, forms a bond with her and he actually helps her realize her childhood dream of attending school which is really special and it's a really emotional and uh it's a wonderfully produced documentary and i i just love all these documentaries that you keep getting because i get to review them with you (laughs) we get the these documentaries just sound so amazing and it sounds like it was kind of back then sorry was it was it present time or was this it's present time? Then? It's present time, actually. It, it was shot in, I think, in the span of 2009 to 2016 or 2015. And he uh, spent the last two or three years producing it. Um, but it's it's a really amazing film. And you don't honestly feel like the, the stuff shot in 2009 seems almost the same as the stuff shot in 2015, which, I mean... And that's not to say that the stuff shot in 2015 is low quality. It's to say everything is super high quality. Everything is great across the board, which is always, uh, you know, great for a viewing experience. So, uh, it, and yeah, it's it, a great package. So what was your favorite part of this movie? Because it sounds like you loved a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think definitely the premise is very interesting. Um, I never knew that India had uh, such a large number. I think it says it's the country with the most child laborers. Um, and that that is such an uh, important issue that we I think it's important that we talk more about it. And it's such a beautiful way uh, that they've made the film and they've brought this to the forefront of discussion. I think there are certainly, you know, more films need to be made in this way and on such subjects. And it's uh, really wonderful that this is a per like the, uh, with this purpose, the film has been made. 
So, um, from this information, would you say this is the more like what's the moral kind of? So the whole message is uh, making your dreams come true and never giving up, even when life throws you a curveball or when you have to face some challenges. Um, there's really uh, th that's the overarching message. But I would say that um, another part of it is never uh, abandon your your dreams, but for a different reason, which is um, never think that they're out of reach um, even before starting to try. Always give it a shot, right? Because yeah. um, everything is within reach if you just give it a you give it a chance, and there's always some way that fate can turn and and make things happen and work out for you. Okay, so I have two more questions for you. What is your star recommendation? Or sorry, star rating and age recommendation. All right, so I give Queen of the Beach five stars out of five, and I recommend it for ages thirteen to eighteen plus adults. It's really an amazing watch, and it premieres on digital and on demand on August fifteenth, which is Indian Independence Day from Under the Milky Way, which is the distributor of the film. All right, I can't wait to watch it. All the documentaries you tell me about are amazing, so I can't <laughs> wait to watch this. I'm so lucky that I got a chance to, to speak with you about them and to review them for kids first, and it's really, this isn't, this is probably one of my favorites. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Notorious Nick, Queen of the Beach, Paw Patrol the movie, and the career of the Emmy-winning cinematographer, John Simmons. And next up, we'll be listening to Ishan's interview with filmmaker Christopher McDonnell from Queen of the Beach. I'm Ishan Mani, reporting for Kids First, and today I am super excited to speak with Christopher McDonnell, nicknamed Cleach. McDonnell is a Canadian filmmaker who produced the touching documentary Queen of the Beach, following the story of Shilpa, a child laborer from Goa, India, and how Chris helped her reach her dream of attending school. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get started with um, a story about how you were on vacation in actually in Goa and you met Shilpa, the subject of the film. And I want to ask you what happened in those few moments that you met her that really made you return three times over the next seven years? Yeah, happenstance is, is one way that I describe it. I was basically in India for 28 days doing a, a whirlwind trip with some people from my church and I was there to film them. Um, but my main goal was to shoot a documentary. So I had splintered off searching for a subject of a documentary. And interestingly enough, um, in Mumbai, I asked some people on my first day, the day that I arrived, um, what, what should be the subject? I'm, I'm here from Canada, I wanna shoot a film. What should I shoot it on? And I had the voices in the crowd call out child labor. But I kind of stumbled on a story about um, Westerners on spiritual pilgrimages. And I, sh I, I you know, I went to Varanasi, um, a temple in uh, New Delhi. Uh, it followed that story, thought that was the film I was making, finished my 28-day whirlwind trip. And for the last two days, I said, I'm going go to go to Goa, lay on the beach just relax and have a bit of a, a vacation for myself before I go home. And that's when, you know, I hit the beach and all these kids um, absconded me, um, trying to sell their, um, you know, jewelry, their knickknacks, uh, you know, come look my shop. And Shilpa was one of those girls who brought me to her shop. And uh, I immediately knew there was something there. Um, this little girl, nine years old, um, had the, the business savvy, you know, of someone much older than her age. 
uh, was very charming. She was funny. She was cracking jokes. So I went back, I brought my camera and I ended up filming her. And then after two days, um, I had to fly back to Canada, but that was the story that I went home thinking about. And I was fortunate enough to return the following year. And when I did, uh, went back to Goa, um, to the same beach, not knowing whether she would be uh, still there. And if she was, whether she would remember me. And sure enough, I hit the beach and I hear, Chris, Chris. And this little girl who is now 10 years old came running to me. And that's really where it kicked off. I was there for two weeks and I kept filming her story. Um, I met her mother and uh, it went from there. And I ended up doing four trips and covering her story from age nine to 17. It's interesting how uh, happenstance works, right? And how you just kind of you know, lucked out with the story. I mean, you thought you were going to go on a vacation and uh, it, it came to you. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you, why do you believe that this is a story that needs to be told, especially at this time where, you know, worldly issues are kind of coming, you know, center stage? Unfortunately, we still live in a world of inequality. And um, as much as we are making a lot of progress, uh, girls in India still don't have the same privileges that the boys do. So... Even in Shilpa's family, she was paying to put her older brother through school while that was her own dream. So the girls in India are still, unfortunately, um, a lot of them are raised to work, uh, to cook and clean at the house, and then they're married off when they're very young. So I think Shilpa's story brings to light uh, some of those issues. Um, child labor, which is still a, a very big problem, um, especially in India. Um, lack of education and resources, especially for young girls. And um, just, you know, that you, you see someone like Shilpa who has all this potential and this desire to, to make something better of her life, um, which we in the West take for granted. So I think there's there's a good lesson that can be encouraging and inspiring for people and um, can also make people really appreciate what they do have. And I think in the grander scheme, just, just recognize that we live in a global community. We're all one family and, you know, we're here to help one another. Absolutely. And I think what's interesting is when you first watch the film, you'd think that the, the main messages are, you know, persevering, uh, you know, despite all the obstacles that you faced, which, by the way, we're going to talk about that very soon. But, but despite all the obstacles that you faced, I mean, you managed to persevere through all of that. And of course, viewers will have to watch to see how that happened. But, you know, actually, the real sort of message that you're pushing is gratitude to all the viewers. Generally, those who are watching are going to be in a more privileged position in their lives, and they will likely have more rights and more abilities um, and more freedoms in their life than um, child laborers in India do. And it's, it's definitely a great mm -hmm. issue to highlight. Yeah. Yeah, very true. You know, in fact, when I was shooting the film, I was invited to speak at a high school in Vancouver. I had a friend who was, who was a, a teacher and we showed some clips to, uh, to the kids. And I mean, these kids, these were high school students were just enraptured by Shilpa's story. And they came to me after class and were asking questions. So I think it really is an eye-opening 
um, film and story that people don't realize, uh, you know, the other side of the world, how people are living. So tell me more about your journey to help Shilpa achieve her childhood dream of going to school. So what were some ups and downs of that process? If you can just summarize it for us before, uh, for those of us who haven't watched the film. One of the problems that I learned early on, it's not just about the money. Um, I mean, I came to a point where I wanted to help. And then, so I met with um, uh, a nonprofit government organization um, who were dedicated to helping children go to school. But then you discover that you're running into these conflicts with the families themselves that can't afford to send the children to school because they're depending upon their income. And that was the biggest thing. It's like, I can help with Shilpa in school, but, but now her family, where are they gonna get money to put food on the table? She's the breadwinner. And then her brother came to me and her brother was only 14 at the time. And he says, if you put Shilpa in school, then I can't go to school because she's paying for me. Right. So, so those were some of the issues that I discovered, but some of the more common ones as well for, for children in India. Um, a lot of the schools, even though they're, they're free, um, you know, from the government's perspective, they, the schools still require that the children wear uniforms. They, so, so a lot of the parents, they can't afford the uniforms. They can't afford the resources and the books. And if the children do need to work to support the family, uh, um, they can't afford the time really to commit. And this was another thing that we, uh, you would have seen in the film that we, we stumbled upon at the latter stage when she was 17. We, this organization was willing, um, El Shaddai, they were willing to take her on in one of their primary schools, but they insisted that Shilpa commit to five days a week and follow, you know, their timetable of hours. And we were trying to negotiate with them so that she could have Wednesday off because Wednesday is flea market day. That's her biggest, um, you know, business day. And she needed to be able to continue working to support her family. So she wanted, um, you know, shorter hours in the day. And ultimately, they weren't willing to make that compromise. Um, they have very strict regulations and fair enough. So, so we had to resort to another type of school. And it's just, it just highlights, you know, the difficulties that even when you think you've, you've got the solutions, you still have all these layers of, of problems and complications. I love that. That last sentence is perfect. It really encapsulates the entire film. And I yeah. want to thank you so much for speaking with me today, uh, Chris. It's yeah. been amazing. Hey, thank you very much. I really appreciated this. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ethan Purston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City Fantastical Adventures. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, 
celebrities and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ethan Preston from the Sunshine State of Florida, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Notorious Nick, Queen of the Beach, and Paw Patrol the movie, and next up, we'll be listening to Nathalia's interview with Emmy-winning cinematographer John Simmons. I am Natalie Jackson, reporting from Kids First. Today, I have the pleasure to catch up with John Simmons, who has had a prolific career as both a photographer and cinematographer. He is vice president of the American Society of Cinematographers and known for his work on more than 25 television series. And today, we are discussing his career as an Emmy-winning awards cinematographer and photographer whose work is currently on display at three art galleries, including the Getty Museum in L.A. Uh, Wow, congratulations, and and welcome to the show. How are you, John? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited about talking to you. Oh, it's such an honor. I'm excited to talk to you, too. So why don't we just jump into it? Let's go. All right, well, Mr. Simmons, or just call you John, how about that? Um, You have captured major chronicle, major historical events such as the civil rights movement to capturing daily life to the protests in Georgia for the Voting Rights Act. What initially drew you to photography? You know, I've always been involved in creative pursuits. Even as a little kid, I was in love with drawing and painting and You know, the other thing, too, was it was during the 1960s that um, I became interested in photography. And that was a very passionate period culturally. I mean, there was the war demonstrations, the Vietnam War. There was the whole hippie movement. There was all kinds of wonderful, creative things coming out of the whole civil rights struggle was, you know, was there. And, you know, the protests and the music and the poetry I felt like I wanted to do something really creative. I even took dance lessons before that. I did. And I took music lessons. Maybe I wanted to be a saxophone player. And I would always paint. Well, my friend's older brother was a photographer. His family owned a newspaper called the Chicago Daily Defender newspaper, which is the oldest Black publication in the country. It started in 1906. Mm -hmm. And his older what? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, I was going to say, so I admired his older brother. I thought he was like the coolest cat I knew. And when I would spend time in the dark room with him watching his print, 
It was just magic. So one day at a convention, he, he let me borrow a camera. And when he looked at the photographs, he said, whoa, you've got an eye. But as soon as I put my eye to that camera, I knew it was something that I could do and that I could look through for a long time. And at that point, he began to expose me uh, to different kinds of photographers, very important photographers. Roy DiCarava had done a book with Langston Hughes called The Sweet Flypaper of Life that just really made me fall in love with it. It was a story of the life of a black family in Harlem, day in the life. And the photographs were just candid street photographs. And Bobby also took those. And then he introduced me to Gordon Park's work and Henry Cartier-Bresson. And I just knew that I was built to take a picture. So that's how it started. Well, just like you said, you were built to take a picture. And I think right. um, just yeah. you explaining it, photography, it's such a simple thing, um, the vision of it, but it's really complex. Like you said, there's so many forms of photography and there's so much that you can capture and it gives us the opportunity and look back on the most important moments in history. And just like you shared, um, there was a lot going on in the 1960s, a lot of protests, a lot of people who are being creative and wanting to use their voice for good. And I think you can relate that a lot to today, uh, especially within the past year of 2020, there was um, a lot going on and a lot of protests just like the 60s. And a lot of people use their creative minds um, to kind of share with their ideas and their opinions. So it's pretty awesome how it relates so much to now. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we were talking about Notorious Nick, Queen of the Beach, and Paw Patrol the movie. And let's get back to Nathalia's interview with Emmy-winning cinematographer John Simmons. Growing up in Chicago, like you said, at the peak of civil rights mov movement, and it molded you as an artist. What first inspired you to transform your vision into authenticity? Well, it was, it was pretty easy because, like I said, the camera worked for me. We were, we, we were kind of made for each other. So shortly after I started taking pictures, Bobby got me a job working at the Chicago Daily Defender newspaper. Mm -hmm. I worked in the darkroom first, and then I began to cover stories. So just through covering stories, it gave authenticity to my work. And that in itself... Um, continues, you know, I, as a person, all of us have a point of view, you know, and my point of view was shaped by my childhood, the politics and the environments of my childhood. I mean, I picked up a camera in 1965. That was the first year that black people were allowed to vote in this country. So I grew up with a certain kind of consciousness of who I was, who my mm -hmm. community was, and I had a real affinity for my community. So if you look at my photographs, my candid street photographs tell the story of who I am and where I was. And you can feel the relationship I have to the subjects because they're important to me. There's a warmth there that is evident. And I continue to see humanity in that same light. You know, I, I still take street photographs. I still carry a camera. And I still try and tell the truth about the things I see. 
Well, I think all of that hard work has paid off and you have photographed such amazing things. And not even that, you have directed some of the greatest music artists, um, such as Stevie Wonder, uh, Britney Spears, Snoop Dogg and others. I mean, what did you take away from that experience? Well, I, I wasn't directing those things. I directed a lot of music videos, but for the most part, I was shooting those things as a cinematographer. And the wonderful thing about making music videos at that time, the entertainment end of the video, the people didn't know a lot about making movies. Now they do, right? But before, so there was this marriage, this brand new marriage, and people trusted the cinematographer. And you didn't have videos. It wasn't like, hey, look at what I shot, right? They had to trust you. So making music videos became an experimental playground for me. I was able to use lights and colored gels and different kinds of equipment to just do all kinds of crazy things because I only really needed to get six seconds worth of usable stuff. That's all you need. Nothing is on MTV or anything for longer than four seconds and you're on to the next shot, right? So I got to learn a lot of do's and don'ts about cinematography through making music videos, which helps me even today. It translates even to the TV shows that I shoot now. I learned my lenses. I learned velocity of a camera movement. I just was able to experiment with so much in music videos that it translates into the work that I still do or into the movies that I've shot. You know, so yeah, it was a good playground. Well, um, like you just said, it was a great playground and, and not like you directed it, but as a cinematographer, you got to get that experience working with all sorts of different genres of people, all sorts of different backgrounds. And, and good cinematography is more than just pretty images. It means telling an actual story through moving images. How do you, as a cinematographer, affect a film? Well, I create the look of a film. I create, like right now, we have light coming through the windows and that's what you see. Now, as a cinematographer, I could shoot the shot of myself exactly like this, or I could put something over the window behind me and make that wall in the back go darker. And then all of a sudden I stand out more. So as a cinematographer, I've studied a lot of paintings. And as a professor, I was a professor at UCLA for 26 years teaching cinematography at the school there. And we would start our class off in the art museum. And we'd look at the different styles of paintings and how those paintings, how those styles fit into modern environments. So as a cinematographer, I create the look of morning. I create the look of night. I create the look of afternoon. Mm -hmm. I create the look of it being cold, right? And for that, I have lots of references and as a cinematographer, so many other things are important, like Aristotle's poetics, which is the structure of drama, is something very important for a cinematographer to know because you know how stories are made and you know what lenses are best to, to tell that part of the story or what light tells the story. My job is to bring life to the narrative. 
Well, I think many people underestimate the importance of a cinematographer. I mean, even myself at some point, um, I wasn't really as informed about what a cinematographer does. And now that I am, it, it makes me realize every single asset is important. The lighting, the angle, the the camera lens, everything that you've just mentioned, it all plays a part in making a wonderful film. You know, you set really the scene. And continuing that, um, you are a champion for increased diversity on set, which is awesome. How can Hollywood change some of its barriers to entry? Well, I think that all of us have a very important contribution to society. And my first jobs, I was pretty much the only person of color on the sets. And it wasn't that comfortable in many ways. And what I wanted to do was I said, as soon as I get in charge of this situation and become the head of my department, because I am in charge of the lighting, the grips who do all the rigging and the camera department. That's a lot of people. On the show that I'm working on right now, that's about 35 people. And I want those 35 people to look like the world we live in. Mm -hmm. you know, I want you, Natalia, to peep your head in the door of that stage and see the possibility of any one of those positions fulfilling your dream. And I think that Hollywood is beginning to recognize that more and more. And I think what we have to do is we have to make a conscious effort to reach out to people and bring people up and give them the opportunities to learn. And the studios are also trying to make the efforts to do that. And it is an effort because a lot of people in my position are confronted with a certain amount of expedience to get the job done. And in order to do that, you have to work with the same people all the time so you can have shortcuts, right? But I'm saying, don't do that. Always invite somebody else in, invite a woman in, invite a person of color in, invite an older person in, because all those things are, 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 are useful to us and they're all our treasures to draw upon. And I don't know if I answered your question, but I never stopped doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, just like you shared, you were the only person of color in that um, setting. I can't imagine how uncomfortable that might have been. Like you said, it wasn't the comfortablest, um, you know, feeling like you have a standard to set because you are a person of color. I mean, I, I totally understand that. And, you know, that's awesome to see where you came from and where you are now and your mindset at that time. Um, just, wow, like I, I really need to include people in this world that can help me people of color because I am the only person in the setting and I want to make a difference. Um, so thank you so much for speaking with me and thank you John Simmons for talking to me today. Um, you can find John Simmons culturally rich, historically relevant work can be found at the J. Paul Getty Museum, as is Gallery and Jean Deliage Art Gallery at CASA. 0101 theater and check local listings for the dates um so thank you once again john it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me thank you and i am natalie jackson reporting from kids first thanks so much for joining us you've been listening to kids first coming attractions to watch our latest reviews of the latest films dvds tv shows music and apps and to learn how you can join our kids first film critics team go to www.kidsfirst.org be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for reviews on Press4Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City Fantastical Adventures.
I'm your host, Ethan Purston, reporting for Kids First, and I'm signing off. Goodbye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.